You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, hopefully, everybody had a great weekend, got to spend some time outside. Uh, I know I got to spend a lot of time with family and that was much needed uh, both my you know my wife and my kids but also my mom my stepdad my stepmom my my dad and some and some brothers and sisters and all that good stuff so uh, we had a great weekend and like all my family gatherings for some reason you just eat way too much and then you're uncomfortable and then you just sit around and laugh and joke about how uncomfortable you actually are. So that's kind of the breakdown of my weekend. But uh, today we have a really cool podcast with a gentleman named Kevin Ray. And uh, Kevin talks to us a little bit today about uh, not only how he's been hunting in the past six years, you know, he's, he's fairly new to the sport, but he has a, a, a cool story about his 2014 buck that he... Uh, shot once couldn't find and then ends up shooting it again later on in the uh, next month in november during the rut and uh, he was surprised that he got another crack at it and uh, so i'm gonna let kevin tell that story but before we get into today's podcast matt klein from exodus trail cameras is going to talk to us a little bit about how the guys at exodus use their own trail cameras well, you know, Chad and I are a little different. You know, I don't know about a lot of the listeners, but we hunt really big woods type areas and the deer that we're hunting probably don't let us get away with as much as, you know, a lot of farmland type deer do or, or Midwest type deer do. Um, but what happens is we have a, we have a theory or a method that we call the wheel of fortune method. And without getting too long winded about that, I'll sum it up in a couple of bullet points, which are one we are running our cameras for one specific deer at a time. I think a lot of people run their cameras in areas where they're trying to get pictures of deer or pictures of mature bucks or whatever. We are running our cameras for one individual and trying to learn what he is doing. And I think that that goes a long way for, for really trying to pattern and kill a big mature deer. Two would be, um, we're using a lot of natural left sign or terrain features. So we're, we're using scrapes, rub lines, 
um, terrain features, like I said, saddles, benches, that kind of thing. And then also bedding areas, bedding points in, in the hill country that, that we really think one of these mature deer we're after is using. Um, we're hunting a lot of public land, so we can't do bait piles and that kind of thing. So that's a big part of it. And then the last thing would be, we are not taking the data that we're getting from our cameras and using that in the year that we're hunting. I mean, there are times when that helps. Absolutely. But typically what we're finding is that the data that we're getting from our cameras when we're hunting these specific mature deer does not serve us well until the years to come. And when we're really putting that puzzle together, so to speak, and we're trying to go in and figure these deer out, um, we find that three to five years of, of data collection is really what it takes to put a big mature buck in the big woods down. If you want to find out more information about Exodus trail cameras, be sure to visit exodusoutdoorgear.com. And if you do decide to purchase, use the code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, no spaces, and you will receive $20 off your purchase. Now let's get into today's podcast with Kevin Ray. All right. On the phone with me now is Kevin Ray. How are you doing today, Kevin? How's it going, Ben? I'm doing good. Doing good. How's uh, your weekend going? Uh, actually, I had to work this weekend. <laughs> oh, I got gotcha. uh, Yeah. Shift just changed, and I got uh, stuck on weekends for a little bit. So what do you do for a living? Um, actually, I'm an industrial uh, freon tank welder. I uh, do that, and when I'm not doing that here lately, I've been, uh, I'm actually part of the Illinois Air National Guard. Okay. And uh been working out there full time, and Pretty good gig. Until I'm out on weekends, seems like anymore. Sounds like you're pretty busy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, I don't really get a day off, seems like. Yeah. So, uh, what does a Freon tank holder do? Um, it's actually, it holds the uh, Freon that you use for giant cooling systems, like such as like a, an air conditioner, like okay. window air conditioner, um, except these ones are actually for... Um, giant cooling systems I would go in like you know a factory you know like we did we built some for actually like super Walmart um, for actually their cooling systems okay so uh, so that's what you do for a living what do you uh, what do you got going I mean, where do you live I live in uh, central Illinois I'm about 20 30 minutes west of Springfield okay good deer in that area Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep, definitely. Good deal. All right. So, um, how was your, you know, and the story that we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about, uh, a buck that you harvested and kind of a crazy story that goes along with it from 2014, but how was mm -hmm. your 2015 season? Um, it was actually <laughs> pretty rough. I, uh, like I said, I was part of, I'm part of the Illinois Air National Guard. I was, uh, gone from late July to early November for training. So I got home, didn't have any time to take off for rut like I usually do. Pretty much hitting it on weekends when I could. And um, I hunt a property that generally, from, since I've been hunting the last few years, it doesn't seem to hold a lot of mature bucks. Um, and there was two that have been pretty regular um, while I was gone and throughout the past years. And they ended up getting harvested about that first shotgun season here in Illinois by a couple of people that had permission of the property and came in and popped them. I didn't end up harvesting anything this year. Um, nothing I really wanted to shoot this year. Had an opportunity yet. 
um, kind of rough year. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, are you going to be able to get out and, uh, get after it this year in 2016? Uh, it's looking like I got maybe the month of October. Um, I actually got word I'm going to be going overseas this fall. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, little bone, but looking forward to experience, but, uh, yeah, it's looking like I got about October to get something done. So, so fingers crossed. Do you know where you're going uh, when you take your trip overseas? When you get to play? Uh, as of, yeah, as of right now, it's Kuwait. Um, Kuwait, okay. Like I said, things, things change all the time. Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're all we're all here going to wish you wish you luck on that. But uh, I appreciate it. So let's see here. So let's get into this story this 2014 story. Um, but before we actually get into it, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what your yearly routine is. Uh, even back then, I know that last year you were, you know, gone for some training and this year it sounds like, uh, you're only going to be able to hunt a little bit in October, but are you one of the hardcore guys? I mean, are you running trail cameras all year? Are you doing shed hunting? Are you doing food plots? All, all that stuff. Um, well, to be honest with you, I've only picked up bow hunting, uh, in 2010 and it seems like every year it gets more and more addicting and <laughs> money. I mean, everything. Um, and here over the last few years, I mean, I'm trying to get out on weekends throughout the week with my civilian job. I'm able to get out after work, get over, um, during October. Um, I usually take, you know, a couple weeks off in November to hunt, but uh, run cameras, you know, most majority of the year, take them out, you know, a couple months out of the year, late winter, early spring. I usually take them out, give them a break. Yeah. Um, usually get out. I try to shed hunt when I can get out there a few times. But pre plots, nah, that's something I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the future. I got to talk to a landowner a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So, so how do you approach a season? Uh, you mentioned you run trail cameras, uh, you know, you've only been hunting since 2010, so you're going on your sixth year uh, for, mm -hmm. excuse me, for bow hunting, that is. Um, and, mm -hmm. this, you know, this story that we're talking about today actually is about uh, an archery kill. So how do you start off your your season? I mean, let's say at the, you know, your very first season, how did, you, you know, how did your first couple seasons go? Were you able to harvest a couple deer with your bow or did you struggle right off the bat? Uh, the first year, um, to be honest, I didn't know what I was doing. I had a buddy who talked me into it. Um, got an old brother from a buddy, got it ready, print shot a little bit. You know, I would get out to about 30 yards. Um, he put me in a stand a few times. You know, I saw some deer. Um, never had anything, you know, a good opportunity. And then, uh, it was in 2011, actually, I harvested my first year. I think it was October 2nd. I uh, had a little year, year and a half year old come in and in about seven minutes of being in the stand, I figured might as well. So, yeah. So after you shot that, that very first deer, just like a, a little fork horn or a spike or something like that. Yeah, it was actually, I mean, he's probably maybe a hundred or uh, a 50 inch six point. I mean, he's itty bitty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. a little guy. So how, how did that, uh, you know, what was after you, after you harvested that very first deer with a bow, what was your reaction? I mean, were, did you get jacked or you, I mean, were you pumped up? Were you, 
describe that experience. Oh yeah. It, uh, I grew up around deer hunting. My father grew up, um, hunting and he was always bringing me out with him when he was hunting, but just the way things fell, he lost permission to his property. And then I never had the opportunity to get into it anymore. Um, so when I was actually able to start deer hunting, you know, I was all excited. Um, ended up harvesting my buck and I mean, I could barely breathe after it. I mean, <laughs> little guy like that, but I, I knew, I knew he was a little guy and I was like, man, should I shoot him? Should I not? And I was like, well, you know what? I'm like, you know, I'm going to get the first one out of the way and then start working my way up. Yeah, it was a uh, pretty exciting. I'm, I said, I was only in me about seven minutes and I think he made about 10 phone calls in a matter of two minutes <laughs> calling everybody I know. And, yeah. I got one. I got one. No, yeah. All right. Yeah, so it was a pretty good moment. So when do you do, you know, when have you been doing, uh, you know, a lot of your scouting? What are some of the things that you've learned as far as tree stand placements, where you've been putting your tree stands, how you've been reading terrain or, you know, watching deer movement, you know, talk to us a little bit about, I guess, how you approach every season and where you're going to put your tree stands or where you're going to hunt. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, let see. I guess actually the property I first started hunting is a different one than I do now. Um, and really, I mean, I'm looking, you know, I've learned how to play the wind. I'm, I mean, you learn every time you're out in the stand, it seems like you learn something new. Um, a lot of my stands, you know, I'm putting them up on funnels, you know, I, this year, like I said, this year I'm starting to learn a little more, putting observatory stands up, um, putting on pinch points, um, you see, you start to learn the way the deer use terrain, like where I'm hunting is about, um, it's actually over in Brown County, um, right, right off a couple of miles off the Illinois River, so it's, I mean, you got your flat ground, which is crops, and then it seems like once you get into the timber, it's nothing but ridges and hollers, and yeah. you, know, you need rock climbing gear to get up it. And learned a lot, definitely hunting that type of type of train over the last couple of years. It seems like okay. So, so what has been the thing? Like you know, the the way I look at it is every year I fail at something, right? I've done, I did something wrong, but I use it as a learning experience to hopefully not make that mistake again, the pre the next year. So what are some things that, you know, in your six years of bow hunting have been the biggest lessons learned? Probably judging a deer on the hoof. Seems like year after year, I'm getting better on that. Um, the last couple of years, um, I got permission to a new property and the caliber of deer seeing compared to the old property sun is just world difference. Um, seeing more bucks, a lot more deer and just in general. And the biggest thing is trying to judge them on the hoof. With trail cameras, like I said, I run them and you can look at them all day and take your time and look at them, but getting to judge them on the hoof and you know, you only got a few seconds. That's, that's a big thing right there. Okay. So I take it that, you know, with that being, your number one lesson learned, you're, you're able to get into the spots where you're having the encounter. You're, I mean, are you having encounters with the deer that you have, that you're seeing on trail cameras? Yeah. The majority of them. Yeah. Um, within definitely last year, I noticed that I saw, like I said, there's two four year olds running around. I actually ran into one of them. I had an encounter with him, um, just out of bow range with a doe when I got back in November 
Um, and a lot of them I did see, but just, um, you know, not one to shoot them just because they weren't the caliber of deer. But yeah, it's last years. It's definitely, I mean, things are starting to click. Um, a lot of the deer I do get on camera. I mean, I'm starting to run into them here and there throughout the season. Right. Right. So because of trail cameras, are you able to put, are you, I mean, are you knowing exactly what deer you want to shoot before the season even starts? I mean, what is your age or or, do you go by age or do you go by antler size? Is is that kind of what your, uh, I guess makes a buck go on the hit list now? Yeah. Now, um, like I said, I've only, this will be the third year I'm hunting this property. And the first year was actually 2014. Um, I wasn't quite sure what was on the property. wasn't really educated on it. Um, I only had one camera at the time. Um, wasn't real sure. And um, the next year, 2015, I think I had five or six cameras out, and was actually you know starting to see a caliber deer running around. Um, and then so this year, it's kind of you know I put it somewhat of a hit list together, realizing okay, it's it's more of an age, and uh, as far as the what's what they got going on up top. All right. So what is, what age allows a deer to be on your hit list? Uh, right now, really, um, I'm looking for a three and a half year old nut. There's a, there's a few that I would uh, definitely like to let go. Um, yeah. like if I told myself that they get within bow range, I think I'll take one. Um, okay. All right. So I guess, uh, Let's let's talk about this 2014 season. It, you you mentioned it was the very first year that you hunted this property, right? Uh, yep, definitely. Okay. All right. So so what did you do before the 2014 season started? Or I guess what time of year did you gain access to this property? Um, well, it was actually the property I used to hunt. Um, I hunted it for a couple of years, lost permission. Um, other than 2013, I hunted a little bit of public, um, went up there with a goal, saw some deer, nothing, you know, I wanted to kill. I actually, uh, started, uh, the girlfriend I'm with now, started dating her early summer. Um, September comes around, she tells me, you know, oh, my dad farms, you know, they, we have ground over in Brown County. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, you can hunt it. So last minute, <laughs> had to try and get a game plan together and, uh, wing it over there pretty much for that first year and that was in 2014 right yes okay so this you so you gained access to this property through your girlfriend right it's her it's her family farm right okay so the very first time you set foot in this property did you notice anything where you said okay i i that you instantly fell in love with the property or were you kind of hesitant? I mean, were you able to scout it before you hunted it at all? I, uh, I scouted a little bit about twice. Like I said, it was about mid September. So I wasn't wanting to go around in there too much tromping around. Um, but I was like, you know, I need to know a little bit about the property. Um, and I had aerials of it, but I wanted to see it, you know, on firsthand. So, uh, my girlfriend's father took me around and walked a little bit of it. And I remember, Walking back into, it was actually a spot where I uh, eventually harvested this buck. I walked back in on this ridge and I looked around. It was a, 
acorn flat on top of ridge and both sides are just dropped off and i was like you know i mean this is a good funnel it's leading up to opening in a field which leads up to the giant crop field and uh immediately i just knew i was like this is gonna be a good kill spot i don't know what it was i just i had a good feeling about it and uh that was uh you know mid-september um walked around a little bit but like i said i didn't get to do a whole lot with it being mid-September and pretty much going to weaken again for another year until I really got my feet under me about the ground. Okay. So, so you, you do some scouting. Did you notice any sign? Did, I mean, other than the terrain features that stuck out to you, uh, did you notice any deer sign? Did you notice any heavy trails, anything like that? Yeah, there was definitely some good trail back in the timber, um, up close to the crop field. Um, and the ground actually runs where there's a giant crop field that almost bottlenecks down into a small CRP field. Um, yep. And it just seemed like everything back in there, there's a lot of Russian olives, a lot of young trees, um, you know, in the tree program. And I mean, everything was just almost in a sense hit with rubs. There's scrapes everywhere. And I was like, okay, you know, there's definitely some good sign in here. It's going to yeah. be, going to be a good year. Gotcha. All right. So did your, girlfriend's father like inform you of some of the deer that had been harvested on that property before did anybody else any any other hunters hunt that property yeah her uh her family they're big gun hunters they like to uh they like to push the property during deer season mm-hmm. um they they didn't really come in with like a, you know a set you know standard of what they want to harvest they you know ground us down their meat hunters which that's fine. All, all part to them. Um, there, I know the neighbor the year before, um, had some cameras out and he had permission, but he doesn't really hunt it a whole lot. He actually sent some trail cameras of, uh, what looked to be about a definitely 185 to 190, um, class buck and then a good non-typical. So I kind of had a sense of what, you know, what, what was running around in the area. Okay. So, did you, while you were out there doing that one scouting mission before the uh, the season started, did you hang a tree or a trail camera up at all? Did you hang any tree stands up while you're out there, or was the next time you were on that property hunting season? Um, I went out actually. Like I said, I lost permission to a property a couple years before. I ended up I sold all my tree stands, sold all my cameras, but I didn't think I was gonna actually get another uh, shot at a property because I public. And, um, so I went out, I purchased, uh, I purchased a climber, um, went out and I bought a camera and at that year I was actually leaving for a uh, basic training, um, early December. So, um, well, I'll just stick with one camera for now, bounced it around a little bit and, uh, hopped around in the climber for the most part where I was seeing a lot of sign. Um, yeah, I got, got some good deer on camera early, definitely late October, um, but yeah, it's uh, pretty much just winged it again for the most part. Okay, so t- talking now about the 2014 season, you got this piece of property. You are, you know, when does the Illinois season open? It's October 1st, right? Yes. Okay, so when was your first, what, what date was your first time in the tree stand out there? I actually, I went out October 1st that afternoon. I got off work. Um, I actually had a big, 
storm that came through. So pretty much by the time I got up in the uh, tree, I wasn't expecting it to be this bad. And it, I mean, it's been a matter of minutes. It dumped pretty good. So I pretty much had to get down, yeah. call it quits, get back home. It was more or less just a waste of time driving over. Right, right. Did you see any deer or, I mean, it had been a couple weeks since that, since uh, you were on that piece of property. How did I mean? Did you notice any sign walking in? Did you see any deer on that sh- that period of time that you were in the tree? No, I uh, I didn't see anything at the time. I was like maybe in the same maybe about an hour forty five minutes um, up near the front of the property, and I didn't I didn't see anything that night. It was more or less I better get out of here. All the lightning was coming. Right. That night to be out. Okay, so then when was the next time you were in the tree stand on that piece of property? Uh, it would have been that first week. Um, I would say within a couple of days, okay. definitely. So what did you notice on the next couple hunts? Um, did you notice uh, good deer movement? Did you see anything that sparked your interest and in any encounters with some, some big deer? It was actually... Um, I went out and the way I was going to approach this property, I was, you know, I was hunting on the, the fringes and going to work my way in. Um, I was going to try to save the, the, you know, the heart of the property deep in the timber for you know, late October, November. Um, so I stayed up near the front. Um, didn't want to go back into bedding areas really. Um, you know, had a lot of movement, saw, you know, a lot of young deer, a lot of those. Um, never really had an opportunity. And when I did, there's kind of, you know, one thing happened where I, you know, I'm going to take this doe and, um, you know, I'll decide I'm going to take the one after and, you know, like move and just things didn't work out. And it was actually, um, October 5th, um, it was getting low light. I actually, um, was looking to my left and I actually had a, was sitting on top of a trail on top of the crop field, which was corn that year. I actually had a, a nice three and a half year old nine point come out at about 25 yards on the trail. And uh, I didn't notice him until he was about 35 yards out. By the time I got my bow, got ready, he was out at about 45 yards, I think. And uh, at the time, I was I was comfortable with shooting that far. Um, I went out west the year before, so I was practicing long distances. And uh, I ended up taking a shot on him. Um, and immediately, I hit him, and he dropped to the ground, almost like spined him. Yeah. Um, I could see my arrow come out. He was kicking around in the uh, in the corn and everything. Called my girlfriend. Said, "Hey, you know, I shot a buck. I'm going to need you to come up here, bring your dad's truck. We need help." Um, and no sooner than I was getting off the phone with her, I uh, see this buck starting to get his uh, feet up underneath him. I'm thinking, "Crap, you know, better get another one in him." And by the time I got another arrow knock, he got both legs up underneath him and just took off. Um, took off to the heart of the property, out of the crop field. Um, got down, um, searched for blood, um, didn't find anything. I actually took off work early that next day, went back out and, uh, looked again, couldn't find anything. I found my arrow. I think those only looked like maybe just a couple inches of penetration on him. Um, so that was, that was a little depressing. (laughs) So as this buck was running away, did you did he look like he was running like he was going to make it or did he run away looking really wounded? No, he looked healthy. I mean, he took off, I mean, full stride. Um, 
he looked healthy as ever. I think, like I said, I found my arrow. It was maybe two to three inches of most of penetration it looked like on the arrow. Um, not much blood, just a couple trickles here and there. And looked for him for a couple hours trying to find blood. Came back out the next day and just nothing. It's just right. nothing so, at all. Never. So you think you hit him in the, the shoulder, right? Yeah, I think it was a high shot. I think it maybe just stunned him or something, and he dropped it. I mean, within as soon as it hit him, he just hit the ground, and that's why I thought I spined him. But right, didn't seem to be that way. Okay, so that was on October fifth, you said, right? Yeah. Okay. Now the story with this buck isn't done. So nope, no, it's not. No, so yeah, this October- is actually a different buck. <laughs> oh, this is a different buck. Yeah, this is a different buck. This is yeah, that was okay. a different buck. <laughs> okay, I got gotcha. you. So on the October fifth, you took a sh- uh, uh, would you say about a forty plus yard shot? Yeah, it was about forty five. Okay, forty five yard shot, uh, and you hit a buck, and he ran away, and you didn't find him. Now after October first, you know how how much more hunting did you do on the on the property? Quite a bit. Um, I tried hunting when, you know, when the wind was right. Um, <clears throat> when I had time, like, I got a little boy, and so when I'm able to get on the tree, I, I try to, and definitely conditions right. And with him, are, it's a little hard sometimes, you might know. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, about that year, I think I, I probably got about 15, 15 hunts in October, okay. 15 plus maybe. So what, good about, what about after October 5th? Um, what do you, you know, did you hunt the sixth? Did you hunt the seventh? I mean, what did you, were you seeing good deer movement? I mean, cause with this story, you know, you hit another deer, right? After, yeah. after this buck, you hit another deer. Why don't you, why don't we go to, to that day? Um, and, and maybe any, any key points leading up to that day of why you were hunting, where you were hunting, uh, if you noticed good sign, you know, what the deer movement was like, so forth and so on. Yeah. So, um, the tree, I, like I said, I was hunting out of a climber and I was bouncing around the paint on the wind. Um, and actually the tree that I was hunting out of October 5th, I went back to, I had a good wind for it again. Um, it was, like I said, I was, uh, the crop field on this property bottlenecks down into a CRP field. Um, and which I'll set up about 67 yards away. And if these deer are going to come into the field, they're going to come within 45 yards. If not, they're going to be even closer. Um, so I was hunting that evening. Um, I was actually, I had, had a lot of does come out in the field. Um, just watching them online and started getting low light. And where the CRP CRP field and the crop field actually connect the bottlenecks down, well, I started seeing uh, young bucks started piling out of it. Um, look like one and a half year olds, and uh, so I was watching them. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, you know, hopefully there's something else coming behind them. And I noticed there was one came out, and then another, and then another, and then I noticed one kept looking back the way he came. So I was sitting there waiting, you know, there's got to be something else coming. And next thing you know, there's, here comes another buck. And it was starting to get a low light. And I was like, you know, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen quick. So all these deer started piling out into the field. 
and they're almost kind of cutting an angle towards me. Um, and I think if I ranged it right, it was, I think they're around 40, 43, 44 yards. Okay. Um, and they all pretty much read the script, just one after another, right behind each other, single file line. And I was hesitating for a little bit this block. I couldn't tell. Like I said, at the time, I was, I was the one to shoot a three-and-a-half-year-old. That was my goal. Um, I was looking at these one-year-olds, and then I looked back at this block, and I was like, you know, man, he almost looks two, and then I looked at it again, man, he kind of looks three, and I kept couldn't make up my mind. And uh, going back and forth, and then he started coming out, and I finally just said, you know, I'm going to harvest him. I'm going to take a shot. Um, man, I framed him. He came out, I think it was, you know, he said 40, 40 yards, I think it was. Okay. Came out, broadside, um, drew back, um, settled my pin in, and just released. And, I mean, you know, it almost seems like slumber. You can watch that air fly in the air. Yep. And I had uh, lighted knocks on. And it's, I mean, he had drilled him in his shoulder. You could hear that, like, almost that crack noise when it hits him in his shoulder. Yeah. That loud pop. And he took off all in. And I could see my arrow sitting out of him. Um, he ran through, uh, ran out of the field. And it looked like he was hurting pretty bad. He ran out of the field. The field, rest of the field cleared. I just could see him. He disappeared in some CRP off the field. I ran into a uh, block of timber off the field. Um, so I waited a little bit, got down, got on blood from where I shot him just to start from point one and work my way up to where I last saw him. Had good blood, looked like, walking up. And then it got to the point where there was a CRP and started tracking in there. Um, and then I ended up finding my arrow. And at that point, I mean, it just looked like he was just opened up. Yeah. Um, just like somebody was taking a bucket and just slowly just pouring it as you're walking. And uh, so at the time, I finally, right before I got back into the block of timber, I decided, you know, five days before this, I didn't really have good luck. I'd rather be on the safe side. I know I hit him in the shoulder. I'm going to mark last blood. I'm going to come out in the morning because at the time, uh, my girlfriend and I were going to come out in the morning. We are going to try to get her her first year. Okay. So backed out. Mark left blood. I backed out, went home, got some deed, um, called up a good buddy of mine, and he's been hunting for years, and he knew more about it than I did, and we were sitting there talking, trying to make up our mind. I was talking to him, and he convinced me to go back out. So we went back out. It would have been around 6.30 I shot him. Um, we went back out. We got to the property at about 12.30 that next morning. So it was about six hours from the time I shot him. Um, got on last blood and no sooner than we picked up that arrow, uh, walked back into the timber cause he actually, he ran on a trail that was mowed out. Yeah. Um, we heard two deer crash off one to the right of the ridge and one to the left. Um, so me and my heart sunk, you know, it was five days before he lost a buck. Um, I went back in there. Luckily, I actually, that camera I had, it was actually set up in there on a ridge just off that field. So I was hoping, fingers crossed, he ran in front of that camera. Um, so we tracked the blood in there. He ended up going right in front of the camera, so we pulled the card on it. Um, looked around in there for a couple hours, ended up losing blood going down the side of the ridge. Um, looked around until about 3 o'clock that morning, and it just had dried up. Nothing but you hear a little trickle there, and it eventually just completely nothing. 
Um, you walk back to the truck, um, put the car in the laptop, start going through it. End up getting a picture of the buck. He was, uh, ended up being a two and a half year old, what I thought was a two and a half year old actually. So, uh, I was a little bummed at that point, but you could definitely tell he was hit. Um, it looked like maybe they were popped out on the opposite side. It looked like, um, in some of the pictures. Um, and so we came back out, looked again, nothing. I ended up, uh, coming back out that next morning or actually midday, because I was going to set up a blind for my uh, my girlfriend. We're going to try and get her first year. We uh, set it up. I ended up walking uh, back on that ridge, see if I could pick up blood again. And I ended up walking down to the bottom of the ridge and ended up picking up blood again. Um, so I tracked it for about 300 yards heading northeast on the property, heading back to the heart of the property. Um, tracked it, and it started getting real sparse, you know, trickle here and there. Yeah. trickle here and there um and eventually just to the point it dried up and i couldn't find anything anymore and looked and looked and looked and nothing okay. um and that was that was the last i saw them at that point so throughout that entire period of time did you did you find any bloody beds or did, was the arrow a complete pass through i mean were there blood was there blood on the fletchings I think it just it ran down the actual shaft of the arrow. I don't think I got an actual pass through because when he ran away and disappeared into the uh, CRP just off the field, you, I could see my nocturnal in about, right. I'd say, 8 to 10 inches of it sticking out of him. Okay. Um, but when after I tracked him, I don't I don't remember finding a bed, nothing. And nothing like that. It seemed once he dropped the arrow, I mean, it opened up and after that it quickly just kind of you know dried up trickled here and there and slowly slowly started getting more sparse and sparse so when he walked by your trail camera did it did he walk by on the side that you shot him or on the non-shot side it was the non-shot side but okay. there's actually um there's a picture of the non-shot side i got one where he's heading straight on and you can't really see anything at that point but the uh, the non-shot side, um, um, it almost looks as if maybe it popped out the other side right in front of the opposite shoulder. Okay. Um, it looks, there's a real kind of dark patchy area where it almost looks like there's a little bit of blood dripping out. Okay. So it, may, it made me think maybe I just barely popped through a little bit. So do you think you shot him too forward? And Yeah. It, 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 okay. Okay. Yeah, if that's the case on these pictures, I definitely, I think I hit him just a hair too far forward. Okay, it popped out just. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, so, you know, obviously you go back to hunting, you know, it's still, it's still season and, uh, did, you know, you, you were trying to get your, your girlfriend a deer. Did you go out hunting with your, your girlfriend a couple times after that? You know, what were your next moves after you decided, okay, I'm not going to find this deer? I was, uh, <laughs> pretty bummed out actually between October 5th, shooting a buck, um, not finding him. And then this happening on this deer, I surely thought we were going to find him. Um, pretty bummed at that point. So I kind of, Took it easy for a few days, kind of just relaxed, um, taking my girlfriend out, trying to get her on something. Um, nothing ever quite came together on that. Um, I eventually, mid to late October, rolled around, started getting back out, started 
starting seeing deer again. Um, getting ready for the rut. Okay. So then, uh, what did, uh, you know, what were you seeing in mid to late October when you say you were getting ready for the rut? What, you know, what were you mm-hmm. looking for? I mean, did, did you notice deer movement change? Did the crops come out? Yeah, it, uh, crops actually came out the first week of October, um, uh, on the property I was at, but I noticed, you know, a lot more scrapes are popping up. I mean, so at the time I, I only had that one camera, um, so I was trying to bounce around when I could, especially that time of year, I was trying to put on scrapes. Um, and there's a giant scrape line that runs down uh, this draw um, on the property. And I hung it up there, and that's, I think it was October 25th. I think it got hit by like eight or nine different bucks, ranging from, look like two to two to four and a half years old. And so at that point, I kind of had my mind set, okay, you know, there's definitely some good bucks there. And there was definitely couple good bucks on there um late october it was hunting a little bit you know seeing some three-year-olds nothing ever came in range never anything over that at that point um saw a lot of deer still just did you nothing ever any did you get any trail camera pictures of the the two deer that you hit between you know the times that you shot them and leading up to the rut no, at that point I didn't. Um, the buck, um, I eventually ended up harvesting. I did get pictures of him four days beforehand, but at the time I didn't know it cause I didn't check my camera, okay. but I did actually get a small little video of him. All right. So at the so time, yeah, you were, you were kind of playing cat and mouse with the deer throughout all of October and then into the rut. Um, did you have any interesting encounters during during your rut, or uh, was it kind of nothing until the day that you ended up harvesting this buck? Um, actually, I think I took uh, two weeks off from my civilian job. Um, I hunted a little bit um, on the fringe of the property a little bit, still just to see, you know, get some movement. Um, didn't see anything really, um, a whole lot. There was a few good bucks running around. Um, and then it was actually the morning I went in, um, that I actually harvested this buck. Um, it was actually on a spot that I scouted, um, before the season with my girlfriend's father. I actually went to that spot and, um, that morning. Um, what date was this? It would have been November the 9th. Okay. I think I took the 5th of the, I think like the, 17th off, 18th off, and then it would have been a ninth that I jumped in there that morning. Okay. So, you know, you noticed this spot in September uh, when you were mm-hmm. out on a little walk. So you had it in the back of your mind, hey, this is a good this is a good place to go. Um, now, was this a morning hunt on November 9th that you ended up harvesting this deer, or was it an evening hunt? It was a morning hunt. It was a morning hunt. Okay. So November 9th. Now, did you see of of this little vacation that you were taking? Were you seeing a lot of good deer on the property? I mean, what led you to move back into this this uh, Acorn Ridge? Well, uh, yeah, I've seen definitely seen some good deer. Um, they said that when I went out Saturday that September, it was just I don't know what it was. It just it looked like a good spot. It was it the way this ridge lays. It's almost as if it's a uh, kind of a backwards upside down L 
and I was on that corner and it seemed like they're going to have to come by me at some point within bow range and it's real thick and nasty. Um, um, so, I mean, they're going to be within right in your wheelhouse when they come around. Um, and it just seemed like, it just seemed like a good spot, especially for the rut. Um, that, uh, is actually that morning. We, uh, actually, I wasn't in that spot until, uh, when I was in in September. So I wasn't quite sure what tree to get in. I said, I was in my climber, um, actually waited just until, uh, maybe 20 minutes before the actual sun popped up, which for me is really late. I'm usually an hour to hour and a half beforehand. Um, but like I said, I wasn't for sure exactly what tree I was going to be getting in, didn't know what it was going to look like. So I kind of waited until things kind of got a little skylined. Um, went into the north end of this property, um, dropped down a creek, and then come up the backside of this ridge where my wind would be blown off about a 60, 70-foot drop off this ridge. Um, so there's no way I was going to get winded. Um, got in there. I was in my climber. I was actually climbing up the tree. Just got settled into a tree. Um, had my bow on the ground still. Um, both strings in my hand. I was just getting ready to pull up when I, did, I looked down the far end of the ridge. Like all I see is a giant body, a giant white rat coming through the timber. And uh, at that point, I'm just saying, oh crap, you know, <laughs> my luck, this is going to happen. Um, so I'm sitting here and you know, I try to get the book as quick as possible, and this buck's heading right towards my way. Um, get the bow up. I get the, uh, I get an arrow knock and I couldn't get the bow string off the, uh, the top wheel of my bow. And I'm sitting here trying to get it off, trying to get it off. And this buck at this point, which is, is within 25 yards. So I'm trying not to move and he's not even looking at me. Um, trying to get it off. He ends up stopping, looks over at me, um, puts his head back down and just casually walks away. And at the point I couldn't get the, uh, bow string off the top of my bow and I didn't want to damage my bow trying to pull it back and taking a chance and actually it ended up being about a 140 to 150 inch eight point with a giant deep split two D2 on it. Um, so that was a little rough start to the morning there. Yeah, it was uh, probably the biggest, biggest year I've seen on hoof at that point. Okay. All right. So, you know, you waited, you waited to, uh, for light you know, to, uh, maybe make it in there a little easier for you. Uh, you got into your stand. Were you fairly quiet getting in and putting this, I mean, is the climber that you have fairly quiet? Uh, I mean, obviously if that buck, if that buck came by. Yeah, I, uh, I got in there pretty quick. I mean, it's hard with, you know, that time of year with all the leaves crunching. Right. Um, but I mean, I'd like to think I was, I was fairly quiet. Um, yeah, it, I used actually uh, a Summit Viper SD climber at that okay. time. That's what I was using. So I mean, they're not they're not too rattly or anything. Pretty quiet. I like to think. Gotcha. All right. So now this this big buck has walked by your stand, and you had a little mishap. What was going through your mind after that that big buck disappeared? Uh, I, I was a little frustrated because. Uh, like I said, I'm usually in the stand hour, an hour and a half at a time. Um, but I was kind of unsure about this spot. Didn't know, you know, what tree I was going to get into. And getting in that late, um, I actually planned on an all-day hunt, so I packed for it. Um, so I was a little bummed out, but I was like, you know, I got the rest of the day. You know, it's November 9th. Anything can happen at this point. I'm in a good spot. 
Um, so I got set up, got in a tree, got everything set up where I needed it. And sun came up, ended up uh, down to the, the long end of the ridge. Um, and then ended up going, coming through. She's kind of fast-paced trot, kind of running through. So something made me lead to think she was maybe possibly being chased at that point. She comes through, runs behind, right behind my tree, um, maybe 30, 35 yards behind me. Um, and then within a matter of five, 10 minutes, um, here comes a nice three-year-old, um, right on the trail she was on. And he ended up going, for whatever reason, ended up branching out a little farther behind, going off behind me than she did. He's at about... Oh, 30, 35 yards, um, directly right behind my tree. Um, couldn't get a shot at him. Just being, I had the tree in between me and him. Um, and just the way I was set up, it just, it wasn't going to happen, especially in the climber. Um, he ended up actually, uh, seeing me trying to turn around. He ended up getting spooked. He ended up running back the way he came. Okay. Um, what time of, what so time of day was, was this when all this was happening? Mm-hmm. That would have been, I'd say, it would have been about 7 to 7.15 when that, by the time that doe came through and 10, 15 minutes later that buck came through. Gotcha. Um, so within a matter of, you know, 45 minutes, I've, I've already had three deer within bow range, you know, a good buck, nice three-year-old, what I believe to be a hot doe. So, you know, it's definitely going to be a good morning. I waited out. Okay. So after that, you know, after that buck spooked and ran back the direction he came from, what happened after that? I actually I got sat down. Um, a little time passed, maybe 30 minutes or so. Um, I looked down to the bottom of the ridge at the very bottom. It almost kind of turns into a swamp at the very end of the ridge. It drops off into kind of a swampy area in the creek. Um Look down there, there's movement that caught my eye. Um, about halfway up the ridge, I see um, what ended up being a doe, um, and then another one behind her and another one, and it ended up being six total. Um, walking along about halfway, three-quarters away up the ridge in a straight line to me. Um, they ended up coming in, um, and, I, you know, they came in. I watched them all pass. Um, saw a good mature doe towards the end of the, the group. Decided, you know, at this point, I haven't filled the tag yet. You know, I plan on all day hunt. And, you know, I'm in, it's good morning. Uh, I decided I'm going to take her. So uh, she came in 17, 18 yards. Uh, peered back, really sterile. Ended up double lunging her. Watched her uh, run away um, over the ridge. And while that hat, while that was going on, um, there ended up being a young, uh, one-year-old that came in and, uh, he was hanging around and the rest of it was cleared, but there was ended up being a couple of yearlings that were around the area and they were blowing. Um, and then that actual, that young bucket kept, uh, trying to push the young ones around, um, they ended up running off. The uh, young buck just wouldn't leave the area, though. <laughs> For whatever reason, he would not leave. He just he stuck around the area within maybe 20 yards of my stand, just kind of walking around feeding. Um, so I sat here, and I was just watching him for a little bit. Like I said, I planned on an all-day hunt, um, so I was going to sit it out for a while. Um, 
sat here watching him, and I was noticing the way he uh, was reacting. Um, his body gestures, like everything just started to change on him. I was watching him, and then I turned to my right to see the way he was looking, and then just see the side profile of this buck. And he was all posturing up on this young buck, and his head was down. And at this point, he's already within 20 to 25 yards. Um, and at the time, it was just almost like automatic, you know, I was like, oh, fuck, nice buck, I'm going to take him. I immediately just grabbed my bow, knocked an arrow, and just slowly turned towards him, drew back, um, saw the pin just right behind his shoulder and released it, um, got a complete pass around him, watched him run away in the exact same um, trail that the doe went on, um, saw him disappear over the ridge, um, Called my dad. My dad, like I said, my dad got me into deer hunt when I was young. Got me around it. So he was the first person I called. Told me, you know, shot a doe, and within a matter of fifteen minutes, um, turned around and shot a buck. He couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, pretty good morning. Um, that yeah, I shot the doe. It had been around, I think, seven fifty-seven. I think it was, and I shot him about eight twelve. Okay, and he was within fifteen minutes of each other. Pretty quick. So you had a very active morning. Uh, on that, on that yeah. edge. So after you released the arrow, you knew he was hit. I mean, could you see blood from the stand? Did you know instantly it was a good hit? Oh yeah. It's like I said, almost when, I mean, even that close, it just seems like everything kind of slows down in that moment. I mean, I watched the arrow drive by his shoulder. I mean, I put it right on his heart and it, I mean, I could see it opening up. I shoot rages and I just saw it immediately open him up and just take off and blood was dumping. Okay. I knew, I knew he was he wasn't gonna go too far. So did you wait for your dad to get to the property or did you go look and get down and go looking for him before anybody else started or made it to the property? Um actually um I called him. I uh I didn't uh usually like on my first year. I had my dad come out there with me, even though it was a year and a half year old, I just contradiction thing. I wanted my dad to be there since he was the one who got me into it. I wanted to see his face. Um, but on, the, this property is just, it's way too rough for him. He's a little older and his, his knees are pretty shot from working all the years. And I knew he wasn't going to be able to help me too much. Um, especially the two of them. Um, I, I got down, um, got on blood from the arrows and definitely good blood on both of them. Said the, uh, the was double long tur. Um, in the buck, I mean, it looked like a heart shot. Um, I got on blood and then that was the bad part about it. They both ran on the same trail. So I was trying to find, you know, which one's which until they split off, which is pretty tough. Um, I waited probably about 40, 45 minutes after I shot the buck, which had been about an hour from the time I shot the doe. Um, got on blood, walked, you know, maybe 60, 70 yards. Just dropped over the backside of the ridge, and uh, all of a sudden I see racket up and just take off hauling down the bottom of the ridge where it turns into a giant creek bottom. And uh, so I immediately just stopped, watched him. I heard a loud crash, and I knew he had to die down there. Um, it was actually the buck I shot. He bedded down about 60 yards um, from where I shot him, 60, 70 yards. Um, I guess I jumped him up. He was still, still going, and... After a little bit, and took off running. Um, so at that point, I backed out. Um, my girlfriend was at her grandparents, which was about 10 minutes away. Called her, um, had her bring the truck. Um, 
and she's a little, a little itty bitty girl. And we, uh, went, uh, got on blood. I had her, she was with me and we were, uh, looking for him and, uh, got on blood. Um, and I'm going down the bottom of the ridge, falling blood and across the Creek. I, I could see a body laying there. Couldn't see a rack. So at first I thought it was a doe, you know, if I could, you know, there's a doe, I'll have to find a buckler. It's going to be a long day. Um, going across the Creek and you end up dying, uh, in between two ridges. Um, almost in like a small little crevice. Um, and I ended up being the buck walked up on him and it was, I mean, it was right in his wheelhouse. I mean, he definitely smoked him. <laughs> he didn't, I don't know how he got up and took off running the way, way he did, but he did. Um, so we ended up finding him. Um, I had her take a couple pictures with him. Um, I was pretty excited. I was a little bummed when I walked up and, uh, I was kind of, like, I thought he was a three-and-a-half-year-old, and I'm walking up on him. I was like, he's definitely a two-year-old. And at this time, I didn't realize it. It was the buck from October 10th. I had no idea. No clue at all. Um, so how did, how did you realize that? Um, it was actually about two weeks after I shot him. Um, I decided, you know, I wasn't going to mount him. I didn't want to. Um, I was out at a buddy's house, and we were having a couple beers, and we were actually going to boil the skull. And I was just going to do my own, uh, I don't know, like tech school mount, um, clean him up. And like I said, I had pictures of him. My buddy's like, you know, let me see, a, let me see the trail camera footage you have of him as we were sitting there boiling him. And we were sitting there looking at him and looking at him. And my buddy goes, and you know, that's the same deer. And I started looking at like, yeah, he's kidding me. It's the same deer. I mean, you know, what gave it away, I mean, his rack's real high and tight. His beams almost touch, but on his, uh, his right brow time, it goes up. And it bent to the right. I'm last into it. And, uh, immediately, I'm like, she got the kidney. I'm same deer. Um, I didn't even realize it at the time. And it'd be in the same buck from October 10th that I shot. Haven't seen him since until that morning. So when you walked up on him, you didn't, it didn't look like he had been shot previously. It took you two weeks to figure it out. Well, see, when I walked up, um, I didn't notice anything. Um, at the time I was, um, just so pumped up. I didn't realize the right. same beer. Right. Um, I never saw any type of scarring. Um, and then I went back and tried looking at photos. I couldn't see anything. I had a couple of different photos. I was trying to find it. I couldn't see anything at all. Um, until a few weeks later, we were looking at trail camera photos and, looking at the actual rack and rack itself and kind of realizing, you know, it's the exact same deer. And that's nuts. That's nuts. So, was, uh, <laughs> so after that 2014 season, right? So you've had this last season and in this season have the buck that you shot on October 5th. Did you happen to catch him on trail camera after that season was over? Do you think somebody else harvested him or, or, uh, maybe he died somewhere and didn't find it. I I never ran into that buck. Um, I never saw him the rest of that year. Um, her family, like I said, they shot and hunt. They never killed anything that year. I know the areas around it. Um, they hunt. Um, whether they harvest him or not, I don't know. I know the year after, 
I put uh, about five or six more cameras up. Um, never had anything of them. Haven't seen anything of them yet this year. That year, I never, I never found anything um, dead. But I did find um, a buck on the very northeast of the property, um, kind of towards the property line that um, I found what was the skull and what was left of him. There was no, you know, hide or anything. It was well after season, but he actually had his. Uh, Hammer sawed off. Whether it had been the same buck, um, I'm not for sure. Um, yeah, I never know. But I never, as far as my knowledge, I never ran into him. Never saw him again after that. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, and uh, so, so the buck that you ended up harvesting on November 9th uh, was that was that the biggest buck you've shot to date? Yeah, to date, it's definitely the biggest buck. Um, you said. I think he went one twelve, one fifteen. He was a two and a half year old. Um, had some good opportunities with some other deer, but just nothing ever happened. <laughs> nothing panned out right. Seeing right, something happened. Right. Or- Sounds good. Well, I tell you what, uh, I really appreciate your story. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, good luck this upcoming season in October, anyway. And then, uh, good luck and be safe uh, on your uh, deployment to uh, the Middle East. I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Have it. Another Monday podcast down the drain. Hopefully you guys found that story interesting. I want to send a shout out to Kevin Ray. Thanks for taking time out of your day to, uh, you know, chat with me and uh, get this podcast put together. That's a pretty cool story. Also, uh, I want to send a huge shout out to you guys, as always, the listeners, you guys and gals. Um, If you haven't already, Go to iTunes, leave a review, and uh, let everybody know how awesome this podcast is. Uh, Other than that, huge shout-out to Exodus Trail Cameras. Uh, Thank you guys for supporting the show. Last but not least, uh, I want to direct all your guys' attention to 2% for Conservation. So uh, if you don't know what that is, I want you to go Google 2% for conservation and uh, it's a way that we can all give back to do our part for uh, conservation uh, other than that uh, Facebook Twitter Instagram all the social media avenues that uh, a guy could have I'm out there other than that uh, I, th- I say that a lot other than that but it's time to start hanging tree stands guys or it's time to start hunting depending on what states you are you are in So uh, if you're in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.